Chapter thirty six of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume two, twenty years after by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A letter from Charles the First. The reader must now cross the Seine with us and follow us to the door of the Carmelite convent in the Rue Saint Jacques. It is eleven o'clock in the morning and the pious sisters have just finished saying mass for the success of the armies of king charles i leaving the church a woman and a young girl dressed in black the one as a widow and the other as an orphan have re-entered their cell the woman kneels on a prie-dieu of painted wood and at a short distance from her stands the young girl leaning against a chair weeping the woman must have once been handsome but traces of sorrow have aged her the young girl is lovely, and her tears only embellish her. The lady appears to be about forty years of age, the girl about fourteen. "'Oh, God!' prayed the kneeling suppliant. "'Protect my husband, guard my son, and take my wretched life instead.' "'Oh, God!' murmured the girl. "'Leave me my mother. Your mother can be of no use to you in this world, Henrietta,' said the lady, turning around your mother has no longer either throne or husband she has neither son money nor friends the whole world my poor child has abandoned your mother and she fell back weeping into her daughter's arms courage take courage my dear mother said the girl ah tis an unfortunate year for kings said the mother and no one thinks of us in this country for each must think about his own affairs as long as your brother was with me he kept me up but he is gone and can no longer send us news of himself either to me or to your father i have pledged my last jewels soldier clothes and my own to pay his servants who refused to accompany him unless i made this sacrifice we are now reduced to live at the expense of these daughters of heaven we are the poor succored by god but why not address yourself to your sister the queen asked the girl alas the queen my sister is no longer queen my child another reigns in her name one day you will be able to understand how all this is well then to the king your nephew shall i speak to him you know how much he loves me my mother alas my nephew is not yet king and you know laporte has told us twenty times that he himself is in need of almost everything then let us pray to heaven said the girl the two women who thus knelt in united prayer were the daughter and granddaughter of Henry the Fourth, the wife and daughter of Charles the First. They had just finished their double prayer when a nun softly tapped at the door of the cell. "Enter, my sister," said the queen. "I trust your Majesty will pardon this intrusion on her meditations, but a foreign lord has arrived from England and waits in the parlor." demanding the honor of presenting a letter to your majesty oh a letter a letter from the king perhaps news from your father do you hear henrietta and the name of this lord lord de winter lord de winter 
exclaimed the queen, "'the friend of my husband, oh, bid him enter!' And the queen advanced to meet the messenger, whose hand she seized affectionately, whilst he knelt down and presented a letter to her, contained in a case of gold. "'Ah, my lord,' said the queen, "'you bring us three things which we have not seen for a long time, gold, a devoted friend, and a letter from the king, our husband and master.' De Winter bowed again, unable to reply from excess of emotion. On their side, the mother and daughter retired into the embrasure of a window to read eagerly the following letter. "'Dear wife, we have now reached the moment of decision. I have concentrated here at Naseby Camp all the resources heaven has left me, and I write to you in haste from thence. Here I await the army of my rebellious subjects. I am about to struggle for the last time with them. If victorious, I shall continue the struggle. If beaten, I am lost. I shall try in the latter case. Alas, in our position one must provide for everything. I shall try to gain the coast of France. But can they, will they receive an unhappy king, who will bring such a sad story into a country already agitated by civil discord? Your wisdom and your affection must serve me as guides. The bearer of this letter will tell you, madame, what I dare not trust to pen and paper, and the risks of transit. He will explain to you the steps that I expect you to pursue. I charge him also with my blessing for my children, and with the sentiments of my soul for yourself, my dearest sweetheart. The letter bore the signature not of Charles King, but of Charles Still King. "'And let him be no longer king,' cried the queen. "'Let him be conquered, exiled, proscribed, provided he still lives. Alas, in these days the throne is too dangerous a place for me to wish him to retain it. But, my lord, tell me,' she continued, "'hide nothing from me. What is in truth the king's position? Is it as hopeless as he thinks?' "'Alas, madame, more hopeless than he thinks.' His majesty has so good a heart that he cannot understand hatred, is so loyal that he does not suspect treason. England is torn in twain by a spirit of disturbance, which, I greatly fear, blood alone can exorcise. "'But, Lord Montrose,' replied the queen, "'I have heard of his great and rapid successes of battles gained.' I heard it said that he was marching to the frontier to join the king. Yes, madame, but on the frontier he was met by Leslie. He had tried victory by means of superhuman undertakings. Now victory has abandoned him. Montrose, beaten at Philippeau, was obliged to disperse the remains of his army and to fly, disguised as a servant. He is at Bergen, in Norway. "'Heaven preserve him,' said the queen. "'It is at least a consolation to know "'that someone who has so often risked their lives for us is safe. "'And now, my lord, that I see how hopeless the position of the king is, "'tell me, with what are you charged on the part of my royal husband?' "'Well, then, madame,' said de Winter, 
the king wishes you to try and discover the dispositions of the king and queen toward him alas you know that even now the king is but a child and the queen a woman weak enough here monsieur mazarin is everything does he desire to play the part in france that cromwell plays in england oh no he is a subtle conscienceless italian who though he very likely dreams of crime dares not commit it and unlike cromwell who disposes of both houses mazarin has had the queen to support him in his struggle with the parliament more reason then he should protect a king pursued by parliament the queen shook her head despairingly if i judge for myself my lord she said the cardinal will do nothing and will even perhaps act against us the presence of my daughter and myself in france is already irksome to him much more so would be that of the king my lord added henrietta with a melancholy smile it is sad and almost shameful to be obliged to say that we have passed the winter in the louvre without money without linen almost without bread and often not rising from bed because we wanted fire horrible cried de winter the daughter of henry the fourth and the wife of king charles wherefore did you not apply then madame to the first person you saw from us such is the hospitality shown to a queen by the minister from whom a king demands it but i heard that a marriage between the prince of wales and mademoiselle d'orleans was spoken of said de winter yes for an instant i hoped it was so the young people felt a mutual esteem but the queen who had first sanctioned their affection changed her mind and monsieur the duc d'orleans who had encouraged the familiarity between them has forbidden his daughter to think any more about the union oh my lord continued the queen without restraining her tears it is better to fight as the king has done and to die as perhaps he will than live in beggary like me courage madame courage do not despair the interests of the french crown endangered at this moment are to discountenance rebellion in a neighboring nation mazarin as a statesman will understand the politic necessity are you sure said the queen doubtfully that you have not been forestalled by whom by the joyces the prince the cromwells by a tailor a coach-maker a brewer ha i hope madame that the cardinal will not enter in negotiations with such men ah what is he himself asked madame henrietta but for the honor of the king of the queen well let us hope he will do something for the sake of our honor said the queen a true friend's eloquence is so powerful my lord that you have reassured me give me your hand and let us go to the minister and yet she added suppose he should refuse and that the king loses the battle 
his majesty will then take refuge in holland where i hear his highness the prince of wales now is and can his majesty count upon many such subjects as yourself for his flight alas no madame answered de winter but the case is provided for and i am come to france to seek allies allies said the queen shaking her head madame replied de winter provided i can find some of my good old friends of former times i will answer for anything come then my lord said the queen with the painful doubt that is felt by those who have suffered much come and may heaven hear you end of chapter thirty six recording by john van stan savannah georgia